Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the MIGO Opportunities podcast. Last time I went through how investment trusts work and what it is that MIGO does. This time I'll be delving into how we find our investment opportunities and how we construct the portfolio. As a reminder, my name is Nick Greenwood, manager of MIGO. I'll be using some acronyms and some jargon throughout the podcast, so if you're not familiar with investment trusts or need a refresher, I would suggest listening to the first episode. On to how we pick our investments. Picture a funnel split into levels with a question at each level. Each potential investment needs to answer yes to each question and pass through to all the levels to make it into the portfolio. Let's start at the top, which is an easy one. Is it trading at a discount? As we know from episode one, this is what we're looking for in our investments. So very large trusts that are very popular and well-known tend to fall out of the process at this point. We're looking for overlooked and unloved trusts, which tend to be at the smaller end of the market. Secondly, do we like the asset class? You'll remember that we're looking for a rising net asset value, brackets NAV, and a narrowing discount, so we'd stay clear of an investment trust where we believe the underlying portfolio is likely to fall in value, even if it trades on a discount. We have confidence in the NAV. This is a bit of a tricky one, but tends to apply to alternative asset trusts, which aren't valued every day, and don't use a recognised software pricing system such as Bloomberg as the source of these prices. I've been through a few stock market crashes in my career, and as a result, described myself as being allergic to debt, which people also refer to as leverage or gearing. Investment trusts, unlike open-ended funds, can use leverage to enhance returns. If an investment trust has too high a percentage of debt in comparison to the underlying assets in its portfolio, we think this increases risk. If stock market is having a difficult time and asset prices and therefore the underlying portfolio falls, then the percentage of debt will increase, rather like a mortgage does in relation to the value of a house in a falling housing market and the trust may have to sell its assets at low prices in order to pay back its loan. Final question is whether there is a catalyst that will lead to this count to narrow. As I mentioned in the previous podcast, there has to be a reason why we believe this will happen. It could be that the trust has taken the decision to wind itself up and give money back to its shareholders, and is therefore selling off its assets and raising cash in order to do so. It could be there is a new management team running the trust, which we believe will be more successful and attract new shareholders, Or it could simply be that the trust is investing in something that is out of favour with most investors, but which we believe will not be the case in the future. Moving on to portfolio construction. The big thing to keep in mind when constructing the portfolio is diversification. This means we're looking for trusts that have different themes and asset classes, so we're not beholden just to one area of the investment universe. Investing in investment trusts means that we don't have to rely just on equities or property or infrastructure, but can have a mix of lots of different asset classes. As you may have guessed from the name of the trust, we also don't just invest in the UK. As a result, within a certain asset class, let's use property as an example, we can invest in different themes and gain exposure to different economies. We've all seen the headlines that traditional retailers on the high street are having a difficult time. Oh, as a type of property, retail stores are something we wouldn't want in our portfolio. Instead, our property exposure covers areas such as residential flats in Berlin, mixed light industrial centres in the UK and upmarket apartments in Macau. The reasons we believe that flats in Berlin will rise in value is different to why we believe mixed light industrial centres in the UK will do well over the next few years. So, if there's a bump in the road in either of these investments, it should not affect the rest of our property exposure. Our geographical split is also very diverse. We own investment trusts investing in developed Western economies such as the UK and the United States, but also hold some investing in emerging markets such as India and frontier markets such as Vietnam or Georgia. It also means we can avoid areas that we think will do badly at a particular point in time. 
For example, in 2016, we had very little UK ex- equity exposure as we thought the UK would struggle while a Brexit deal was hammered out between the UK and the European Union. It wasn't until the UK companies had been through the difficult times we predicted, which caused their share prices to fall, and a Brexit solution was in sight that we bought back into this area of the market. If you look at Vietnam, this has very different economic drivers to, say, the US. Vietnam is, in comparison, a much less developed economy. But because it has much better demographics than the US, a younger population and an expanding middle class, these have led to strong growth in its economy over the past few years. Whereas the Chinese-US trade war caused problems for the US economy, Vietnam, in comparison, benefited as companies diversified some of their supply chains from China to Vietnam, creating jobs and infrastructure in the country. Next time, I'll be looking at the growth of alternative asset classes within the investment trust universe and how they're providing a source of opportunities for the trust to invest in. Thanks for listening, and if you need any further information, please check the trust's website.